Hello, and welcome to the Cage Equation with your host, Malcolm Mickelson and me, Drake Nicholson, where we'll select, scrutinize, and solve a question about a Nicolas Cage movie. Did Cage fail the movie, or did the movie fail Cage? Spoiler, the answer is always the latter. Proceeding with the undeniable that Nicolas Cage can only create perfection, we will place this movie's failings at the feet of another. To that end, we will start with the Metacritic score and create the Cage Equation. On one side of Cage's cageosity, cageitude, and his nuclear cage potential minus the Metacritic score, and that will equal the directors, writers, and co-stars or cage stars contributions, or more likely their detriments to the perfection of the movie. Today we will be featuring Prisoners of the Ghostland, which is possibly one of the craziest movies he's ever made in his own words. A quick summary of the movie: Nicholas Cage playing hero is freed by the governor to go and rescue his granddaughter. I put that in quotation marks because we're not really sure of the uh, actual relationship between the two. From the Ghostlands, he has been equipped with a leather suit that has explosive devices that will stop him from either striking or becoming infatuated with the young lady. And if they, and if he does break any of these rules, He'll be rewarded with dismemberment of one type or another. He proceeds into the ghost lands, of course, finds the woman and craziness. And at that point, decides instead of bringing her back to government, he's going to save her. Comes back to town and in true epic Western fashion, clears the samurai town, as it is called, of all the bad guys. Well, Malcolm, what was your impressions of this movie? Uh, I don't really understand what happened during most of it. There's mannequin people. There's a nuclear wasteland. I think there's ghosts. I think the the prisoners, I think, are ghosts. I don't really know. Um, and uh, Nicolas Cage loses a testicle. One testicle. Just one. Just one. Which he carries around with him. Um, so he can give monologues while holding it. Yes. So if we're going to do this, we're going to look at, I, I, once again, the Metacritic score of this was, was 53. Um, I don't know how it was so high. Well, we started off with a with I would say with a great Nicolas Cage performance. Um, so we have to assign forty seven percent Metacritic score of blame to either director, writer, or co stars. Um, I think first we should probably discuss the uh, the caginess of the role here and how Nicolas Cage did and what we believe was the his ultimate contribution to what should have been perfection. Yeah, I think uh, I started counting the words at the beginning because he doesn't say anything for the first five minutes um, before he drops a couple lines. I believe he says, hi, fucking yeah, as he tries to karate chop someone as one of his first lines. Yeah, bonsai. Um, bonsai, is, is, I believe, is the first line. And then he runs into the, the hi, fucking yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh boy, his uh, uh, you what? What do you think of his caginess? I think is uh, I, well, I like to. I'm gonna divide this up into a few things. His cageitude, I think, is the full range of caginess, and I think he really goes from all the way from zero to a hundred. I think you see pretty much the entire range of expressions on this one. Um. So. As far as the attitude goes, I think it's, he brings it all to the table. Um, his choices are interesting. 
I would say his costume choices boil down to once again, he starts off in a diaper and then he ends up in a leather suit. I think he's what? CGI'd for that whole beginning too. The body and the face don't line up. I don't. I don't think he was in six pack ab shape at his age for this movie. That was my note too. Is usually when an uh, actor does a does a part like this, uh, most actors might work out for a second before they go anywhere near being in either naked or in some type of le- tight leather suit. Um, Nicholas Cage, of course, did not. But I think maybe that was because he's playing the more realistic version of somebody who was, you know, in prison. He really wanted yeah. to bring bring it to the role here. Well, when he's naked, he has a six pack ab. When he puts on the suit, he has a gut, <laughs> and there's, there's not nothing in the middle there. Um, so they must have run out of budget after they CGI'd I, his body. I, I guess so, or maybe they just did a straight up body double. My uh, my other favorite thing was he does he's done this and this in a lot of his old these older movies these last few movies he's done his run running in these movies is is hilarious it 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 looks like me running um he does the the feet go out sideways versus straight and he just kind of bounces along he does that during the the beginning part of that and also a couple other places where he's running they they don't make him run very much thank goodness no they Um, don't make him move very much at all he's pretty stationary throughout the movie a lot of still shots of him I, I, so anyway, I, yeah, this, I think is a lot of interesting choices. Um, right after he does the uh, karate and high fucking yaw thing, he also does the, uh, the faint and the laugh right before the guy activates his suit, which I thought was pretty interesting too. Right there was a lot of interesting. He also at one point steals a bike, which is never really explained. They offer him a car and he steals a bike which is one of my favorite lines happens then, which is just someone saying, he's so cool as he rides yes. away on this bike. Yes. Um, and then five seconds later, they give him back the car and he drives off in the car. Yeah, it's it's another one of interesting little thing where they, they'll do something that's maybe seems like it might be interesting. And then immediately within three seconds, negate everything that's just happened. So... They're going to make him look like he's going to run all the way through on this thing. Instead, the samurai. What was the samurai's name in the movie? I don't. I don't even know if they say the samurai's name. Yeah, Yasirjo, Yasirjiro. I shouldn't have tried to say it either. Who's a actually kind of a bit of an action star in in Japan. Um, yes, he drives him up. He, I. Once again, this is going to go through like we don't understand what's going on, but I think that was pretty much the idea throughout the whole the whole movie. Um, yeah. Anyway, I think Cage goes from zero. He's got the the slow brooding moments. He's got a couple moments where he shows us how tender he is, and then he has multiple moments where he is just absolutely nuts. His his inspirational moment, uh, which is another one of my favorite scenes. He. Uh, while holding his own testicle, starts speaking Japanese. So two two scenes where he gives a speech holding his testicle. The first one is right after it blows up. Uh, he speaks something in Japanese and then passes out, which at no point does he speak Japanese up until then, I don't think. And I couldn't figure find out what it was at all either. I, I looked high and low for that. And, and then... Having- um, 
And then uh, his other speech with his testicle, I forget what he says. He says something along the lines of, I never thought I'd be here holding my testicle with one testicle and reasoning with you bitches, which is how he motivates the town of, of mannequin people to, to fight with him. Yes. Um, that's probably his, in my opinion, the most cageitude we see out of him. A lot yeah. of energy in there without going full nuclear cage at that point either. He's just kind of worked up. Yeah. So I think there was a lot for him to work with here. We should probably start digging into the other side of the equation here. Um, I don't know. Do you want to go with the director, the writing, or the co stars first? Well, real quick, we haven't. Do you have a nuclear cage moment you would like to call out before we get there? The last of the cage side of things. I I think him. <laughs> there's there's two times it's within the same speech is either yelling testicle or impossible ha. Huh? I got one day to tear this shit apart. In that same speech, I think he he brings he goes up and down a couple times. I, I thought that was. Really great. Um, on a lower key level, I have it down as his clock tower speech. But before he does that, he walks in back into town with his crazy eyes and says something to effect that he's always had the same dream. And he keeps looking up to, I, I guess they're angels looking down on him. And he does, you know, he knows why. I understand. They helped me because he's radioactive, is what he said. And now he's going to help all the other radioactive people that are suffering. But I think the whole little turn there was great. Yeah, the radioactive scene, I think, would be mine, since he's quite literally nuclear radioactive at that point. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really get that. Nicholas Cage says something along the lines of uh, he wanted to like bring light to the the bombing in Hiroshima in his interview afterwards and he felt like this movie is almost an apology at parts and they show a painting of it or something or a picture of it right at the beginning yes um so a lot a lot of emotion in that um but yeah so that'd be my nuclear cage but you were saying I would start I think we saved the director for last I don't, did the director write this movie? I should probably know that already. Um, writing credits are not, that he does not have writing credits actually. It is uh, two other people, Aaron Hendry and Rexa Sixosafi, which I'm guessing may not be his actual name. Um, Aaron Henry from Beer Fest and Teen Wolf. Yes. And then Reza from uh, A Girl Walks Home Alone. At night, not to be um, confused with Riza. <laughs> um, yeah, the writing is uh, it's all over the place, and I don't know if that's because that's how the script was written, or if that's because that's how the director wanted it to feel. Um, it like has... at one point, he steals a bike, <laughs> he gets thrown out of a car, and hallucinates his old robbery partner. Um. There's a lot of confusing, confusing moments. I don't think any of it really ties together, well, except for the fact he's going to kill the governor. Yeah, and it also has the uh, has a kind of a 
I feel like maybe they they wrote it, looking at the people who wrote it, probably maybe wrote it in English, translated it in Japanese, and then had to translate it back. Yeah, so maybe before we get too much in the writing, just a little bit about the director, Sion Sono, who Nicolas Cage loves saying his name, um, is he just, he directs traditionally just Japanese movies. Um, and so, and uh, I want, he had a heart attack. So this was the late a year. He had a heart attack. They moved it from Mexico to Japan. Um, and this, I guess this is just how all of his movies are. It sounds like. Um, but yeah, the, the writing, I don't think holds up very well at all. No, well, I'm going to say what the writing, what we have with the writing is saying that it also is the basic outline of the plot. And I don't, the plot's pretty simple. Um, it's basically a Western motif. They said the, the lone gunslinger goes out onto the, and then comes back, um, which has been done forever from John Wayne movies all the way through. So I, but then they try to throw in all the extra stuff. Um, it seems like there's a metaphor every five seconds in this movie that's been reintroduced for something else. We have, I mean, they look like there were metaphors for nuclear war. There's metaphors for ecology. There's metaphors for anti-fascism, um, jingoism. I saw some other weird little things in there, possibly about the way Nicolas Cage was acting too. Was I? There's like a, they bring up quite a bit, it seems like, like redemption. Like they're stuck in a nuclear wasteland. So Samurai Town surrounded by a nuclear wasteland from reactor that melted down. Um, it seems like Nicolas Cage is trying to get forgiveness for whatever, for his partner killing a bunch of ki uh, kid and some other people in a bank robbery. Um, everyone living in the radioactive town is just frozen in time, which has something to do with the mannequin person. Did, did you understand the mannequin people? I didn't understand the mannequin people at all. They're supposed to be reborn. I, I'm sure it meant something that I wasn't sure. Um, <laughs> the mannequin thing, I never understood at all. Other than I think somebody thought it was cool to have mannequins. And by mannequin people, we mean someone rips apart rubber pieces of a mannequin and then sticks them on, I think, only women and children, it looked like. Yeah. Who then stand in place rotating their head. I, yeah, I would also say the other things, there seems to be an overall idea that it's almost like a nightmare. It's not, it's, it's not supposed to be a realistic movie, obviously, because there is yeah. a, sam a samurai town run by sheriffs, old Western sheriffs, and a governor. Um, but the, the one part I didn't understand, actually kind of goes with, with uh, Cage, too, is I did not understand the why he was so enamored of Psycho. Yeah, uh, I for some reason, so Psycho is his partner that shot everyone, uh, that gets Nicolas Cage arrested, who then gets caught in the nuclear fallout. Uh, and then uh, for some reason, Nicolas Cage needs his forgiveness or his blessing before he goes to back to Samurai Town. And he's very excited to meet Psycho again, who blames him for betraying him by having him trying to stop him from shooting a child. And committing a massacre that got them both thrown in jail. 
logic of it fails me. I'm not sure how any of this works, and I'm not sure why we why we should care about Psycho or why Nicolas Cage should care about Psycho. He also he shows up on multiple times to sabotage Nicolas Cage. I think yes, the the ghost bus shows up to hold him hostage. Yes, the the samurai ghost bus. Samurai ghost bus. Yes, there's both samurais and regular prisoners that appear in the wasteland all the time. Um. Oh boy. Yeah, so Psycho, I I think probably shouldn't have existed in the movie outside of the flashback. I don't know if we ever needed to see Psycho again. No, and Psycho was uh, obviously a, a bad guy. Uh, it did open with the bank, the bank scene too. I'm going to throw this one also. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm throwing random things out. The gumball machine was obviously not gumballs. Oh no, the gumball machine. It looked like a. It was rubber. I don't balls. Even, almost like croquette balls or something. Yeah, but they're just little rubber balls. So they would bounce, and they just kept bouncing out everywhere, and they kept going and going. I, <sighs> I'm at a loss right now with Psycho. I didn't understand Psycho, and that was just from an emotional point, a standpoint. I see what they're talking about with nuclear war. They were talking about the people up above didn't care about the people below with the nuclear war. I got all that. But the writing was so scattershot, it was horrible. I feel like you want to leave the director to the end because you don't think the you think the director bears the majority of the of the problem here in this movie. I I don't I don't know I don't know who to blame, mainly because I don't think fifty three is correct. I don't know how it ever was rated that high. Okay, they, so me... they ruined a Nicolas Cage performance. They wasted their opportunity with this. I'd like to say, okay, so I'm going to go to bat a little bit for the director here. I'm going to say things I like that he did. Number one, I think the film looked great. I'm sure for the budget it was, which is a low one. It looked great. The cinematography was great. The lighting, the costuming was great. The um, Even the set pieces and all the, all the places like Samurai Town and all that. It gave off a nice little certain quality of, of not being real, but at the same time, it's kind of like a stage play thing going on. I like that. I um, didn't like the whole nightmarish version of this too, though. And that's where I kind of, I don't like movies that kind of try to make you feel like you're having an out-of-body experience. But that's just me. Um, and it was a, a really weird feel a lot of times when they went back and forth with that. They tried to keep you off kilter with it that's not not my personal value I, I think it's kind of weird because it goes back to the directing choices he's making are a lot along the lines of a lot of indie directors which are go back to this guy bill mosley who's the governor huh he is his main claim to fame is that he's been in in all the uh chainsaw massacre movies <laughs> which which kind of do which kind of do the same thing but I really did like all that. I liked a lot of the little touches he had. There were those little dancers in the background. And when they did the little stage play of what happened with the nuclear accident, they were doing their little head head bobs and stuff like that. Yeah. And they danced around. I thought a lot of that was really cool, especially for a lower budget movie. The stuff that he was able to draw. You can see, because I think he said, he sent that thing where Nicolas Cage said he did it because he liked the drawings that he was doing. He was very excited about the movie. I think visually there's a lot of stuff going on that was really great. Um, I don't think the script at all held up to what was behind it. 
Which is odd because it's not just Nicolas Cage in this. It's um oh who plays the Sophia Butella, who was the mummy, yeah. Kingsman, Star Trek Beyond, Hotel Artemis, and Atomic Blonde before this. Yes. But I think she's also Italian, so this is kind of her thing too, anyway. I mean, if Nicolas Cage asks you to be in an indie movie called oh, Prisoners I, of Ghostland, I, I yeah, I'm I'm in it. Oh, I know. I'm just surprised no one gave the writers a direction. It almost feels like everyone, maybe everyone did give them a direction and they didn't feel the need to tie any of those directions together. Well, I think this is where we can go back and we can blame the director. I think the director was very excited about the script. I think he has very good visual language, but I think everything else is storytelling sucks. So he's kind of, it's flash over style. I mean, his style over substance kind of thing. He, but I think he was, I, I, I love the look of the film, especially for like what the budget had to be. I think it looked great. Um, there are a lot of nice little touches in there, but the writing and the script, and the, this is where we can start arguing whether or not the director should have done something with the writing. But I think the writing's what failed on that part, but that's not even my biggest failing of this entire movie. What is then? I've already said his name, Bill Mosley, the governor. What was wrong with the governor? What wasn't wrong with the governor? I can't, I, I don't even, I can't even begin to. <laughs> he, every moment he was in this movie, it, it just sucked. He, he acted, he said all this lines so slow, like he was such a good actor. He's not a good actor. He's an old guy with a craggedy voice who's dressed in a white suit. Who does like, th I think three accents in the movie. Yeah, he loses whatever he's trying this Louisiana or like Southern accent pretty yeah. quickly, and then gets it back. It doesn't. I, I don't want to tear him down too much, but let's just say he he sucked every moment of life. Him and a couple of the other. It it was really funny because Nicolas Cage is great, and I think most of the Japanese actors in it were doing their thing. Ratman, Ratman was awesome. He's not yeah, a Burman. He, he's not a Burman. But he went for it, and he did something interesting with that. The all the like, you know, like I said, all the little dancer people. I, I could have done without the screaming girl in the back of the car, which was the yeah. sister. Was a like adopted her, sister. Adopted sister. Yeah, I could have done without her. But um, let's. But that governor, if they would have recast him with anybody at all. Well, again, the writers didn't do him. That much it got weird at the end too because at the end it almost feels like they might be insinuating that there's a reason he adopted like multiple young girls uh -huh. um and like it's just brought up right at the end kind of justify him getting killed even more yeah. um it's just it's all over the place so I that was my bad guy in this whole thing. And also, I think a couple of deputies, it, it seemed like any of the American actors in this, other than Nicolas Cage, weren't good. No. And I, and I, and all the other people seemed to know what they were in, and they weren't screeching about it. I I don't even have any good, uh, good things to say about any of them. Most of them were like his little henchmen people. Yeah. But yeah, I think if we would have gotten a governor, a different different governor, even with the same exact lines, if you had a decent actor playing that. And I mean, you can just basically pick anybody who's over 50 to put in that role. 
I threw I was throwing out people on the center in my mind the whole time thinking about people who could do any of these speeches better than him. And I, I mean, I couldn't think of anybody who wouldn't have done a speech better than him. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll give you the governor. I think the governor has to be the, the biggest bad spot. I, and like you said, the, not the sheriff, but the deputy sheriff, the one yeah. with the mustache. Yeah. I don't, I, at one point I thought he was the same guy as the guy making mannequins. <laughs> um, but I didn't really get it. I didn't realize that the sheriff was actually the the big guy lumbering around. Yes, um, I I found that out when I went to the IMDb. Um, and the last action scene is it all culminates in a a machine gun, which is <laughs> to mow everyone down. And then uh, you have a pugilist and Nicolas Cage versus a samurai. Yeah. Well, I thought it was like a kind of like a low, all of a sudden it turned into a low rent John Wick. Yeah. Um, Nicholas Cage, I thought was okay with that. I think his moves were good. You could tell he's had yeah. some, he's had some stunt training. So he did his stuff well. The guy who plays the samurai did his stuff well. Everyone else jumped backwards really good. Um, they all died well, except for the governor who had the worst death scene that they drug out forever once again lasted way farther than it should have um some of the i would say some of the mistakes that we've seen with the governor um once again the bad guy he puts the bomb suit on the guy then he says where's the key he shows him the key that's around his neck yes what does he think he's going to do at that point <laughs> i don't know I think you... it doesn't leave a lot of options there no. um <laughs> And then the other thing with the governor scene has one of my biggest pet peeves in movies, which is when they insist on using like an old six shooter gun. Yes. They insist on it. It's, it's, it's zoomed in on. And then the person proceeds to shoot someone nine or 10 times. I don't know why it bothers me so much. And it's only when they call direct attention to it that it upsets me during movies. And what upset me about the guns was they were all perfectly shiny and new. Oh yes, this one, except like, for uh, what's his? Uh, who was the the partner's name? Psycho. Yeah, well, his Psycho. gun looked like plastic. Yeah, like pretty obvious plastic too. Um, yeah. This is talking about the sheriff. Actually, I was I was started watching this movie, and at the beginning of the sheriff scene, there are some all the wanted posters up there. Um, I can't pronounce the the one Japanese guy that's right on the front that was for two hundred thousand dollars. It was a wanted poster. It was basically for a real-life Japanese Robin Hood who was boiled alive in oil when they finally caught him. Oh, my God. Uh, there was one for Butch Cassidy. Oh, I didn't then, even read those. And then there was one for a seven-year-old boy. $200. Huh. But I think the seven-year-old boy was probably the boy from the... with the gum... The yeah. Gun drop, the gum drop boy. He shows up. He shows up randomly throughout. In sure. his orange sweater. Yeah. The sheriff also was in the good place too on TV. That was was he? His, yes, he was one of the uh, I think he's one of the demons in that. Um I I don't know. I mean I I just have a feeling that if we would have had a different sheriff, we would have had a different movie. We would have it may have gone as high as 56 to 57. I would say it would have gone that high anyways. Uh, no rating. There's the lowest rating is 40, except for Chuck Bowen from The Slant, who 
who gave it a 25. It's a profound disappointment, in part because it feels so overdetermined to live up to Sion Sono and Nicolas Cage's respective brands. Yes. Um, so I think he agrees that the others were pulling those two down. <laughs> it was. Um, there any, were any thoughts before we divvy out the, the points here? Um, there was just some weird choices. Why is he wearing a football helmet at the end? That's one of my favorite parts for some reason. Was it? I didn't. I, I don't know it. why, but you have him throwing on a football <laughs> helmet. Just summed up the rest of the movie to me. And then there was the the end scene where Nicolas Cage goes in and he's got an obvious fake hand. Now, at the beginning of this, you have a problem with your six shooter shooting more than six shots. My problem I always have with movies is anytime somebody has a prosthetic hand on, and this was even in like Game of Thrones with Jamie Lannister or any of them, the one arm with the prosthetic hand is always obviously a good six inches to a foot longer than the other arm. No one's fit in Hollywood has figured out how you have to make a glove that looks like a prosthetic hand. So at first this looks weird already with Nicolas Cage, but then at one point he unwraps the wrapping after he stabs the guy. And you're like, wait, why is this guy's hand stabbing the guy? It's because the prosthetic hand is actually hiding a what how long would you say the, the samurai sword in his hand was? It was it like was, a, good, was a good two feet, two and a half yeah. feet long sword. Which then when he pulls out and he has a samurai sword now attached to his crippled hand that's been blown up because he grabbed the girl with and and the bomb blew it up. It his malformed hand has now got a samurai sword attached to it. And now that arm is now approximately Gosh, I gotta say, it's a good foot longer before it even gets to the samurai sword. Yeah. Yeah. But, also, his hand being blown up is confusing anyways, because the bomb is at his elbow. Well, I think what happened was the bomb is at the elbow. Basically, they needed to amputate the arm at that point, because I think that, that it, the arm's a goner. So what you're seeing there is probably sepsis to set in. There's no way he's going to survive that, um, except... I you think they paid a physician to explain the process to him. They probably should have had to. Um, maybe if Ratman would have told him they need to get that thing cleaned up quick. <sighs> but yeah, no, his yeah, and I think the samurai sword also is confusing because they show him measuring a golf club yeah. to put against his arm. Uh -huh. So you think, oh, that's going to come back. It's going to be a golf club. Apparently, they just were using that for reference. Oh, the samurai sword. Yeah, this is one of the parts where, okay, we're going to, I'll give you the director on this one. It was obviously some kind of setup somewhere in the editing room floor. There's some setup with the sword that has been lost in the annals of time. Maybe the director's code will come out again and we can watch a three hour version of this movie. Um, maybe they can just take out the, the, the governor, replace him with somebody else. I was thinking like maybe Danny DeVito. But that's just my personal opinion. Even, yeah, that, at least that would have been interesting. <laughs> yes. That's what I was saying. It's like, give me somebody that's at least fun to watch. It yeah, doesn't have to be good. Um, okay, so those are our two, I, I think, our two top uh, <laughs> peeves on it. Six shooters and samurai swords. Yeah, that was the real issue. Yes. 
which is funny because that's kind of its its whole selling point. The six shooters and sell samurai swords, and they don't even get that right. Oh boy. Um, okay, so we got forty-seven points here. Forty-seven. Forty-seven points. I instead would like, of actors, do you want to just just Bill Mosley? Just Bill. Yes, I'm sorry, Bill, and I know this, this is probably gonna hurt his feelings. Um, he seems like somebody cares about what I think. Um, I got to give him at least half of it. I'd say over half. If, if it was anybody other than him in this movie, I would have enjoyed this movie probably twice as much as I did. So you want to go with just over half or like 30? Let's go with 30. 30? 30. All right. So 30 to Bill Mosley. Um, I'm going to say the writers take the brunt of yeah. it. Other remains, so maybe like 10. Yes. Them 10. Yes. And then only because it is kind of his job to tie it all together. Uh, Sion Sono. Yeah. Or now, Steve Seven. Yes, yeah, Seven. And I understand some people are going to argue with this is you could probably still give 100% of this, the problems here to Sion Sono, but we've got a. I, he, I might give him a discount since he wasn't, even after his heart attack after a year. Wasn't yeah. healthy enough to travel still. <laughs> maybe maybe he, he didn't have the energy to and fight some of these plot holes. If Nicolas Cage trusts the man, then maybe we should too. He's a warlock. He is a warlock of cinema. The thespian said it. The thespian himself. Um, all right. So all here right. we go. Seven for the director. Ten for the writers. But winning out on this one, Bill Mosley, as the governor, gets 30, 30 of the blame, which I think roughly comes out to about 70% of the blame for this movie. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, do we have any other last words about this one? Is it worth is it was it worth the watch? Uh <laughs> I had to I had to be a little intoxicated to watch it a second time. And that might be the way to do it. It was like a fever dream. Even having seen it, it was like a fever dream. I would say actually the second time was shorter for me because I kind of knew what was coming. And I think I was watching all the little pieces so much that I didn't notice the overall mess of it. And also, I think I completely zoned out every time the the governor came on. Yes. The other the other thing I I always like listening to Nicholas Cage's interviews on this. Another little Nick Cage nugget that he laid on us is he's a big. Uh, Big fan of the saying, the Latin saying, genus loci, which is genie of the place. Um, and he believes moving it to Japan is what made it as successful as it was, because you couldn't get the genus loci in Mexico. No, probably not. It probably would, it would have been an interesting difference, too. Yeah. But uh, that's all I got. I don't know. I don't think we've picked the next one. It will be a surprise when it pops up. Yes, it will. Um, um, we got some editing to do on this one, so we should have have this get the next one out after that. Um, I don't know if we're going to go popular or we're going to keep delving into the crazy parts of Nicolas Cage here, but we will definitely be back again. Yes, and we're going to be picking up our pace, I think. Yes. We're going to reduce it from 50 days between each show. It's a lofty goal, but we'll lofty. see if we can make it. Try to be professional about this. We are scientists after all. Yes. All right. 
Well, once again, this is Drake Mickelson and Malcolm Mickelson saying thank you for listening to The Gage Equation.